Hey fellow brain pickers, how would you like to get featured as a guest on multiple podcast shows like this one and get massive exposure? Getfeatured.media will get you featured on targeted shows. They'll design a custom bio page, pitch you to the hosts, schedule a time, prepare you for the shows and promote you so you get even more brand exposure. Head over to getfeatured.media to get major publicity for your brand. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hi, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 63 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today, I am truly honored to be picking the legendary brain of marketing genius Jay Abraham. He has been named one of the top five executive coaches in the country by Forbes. Stephen Covey has named him one of the greatest business and marketing minds he ever met. Jay has mentored and coached some of the greatest of our time, including Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy, Ramit Sethi, and Damon John from Shark Tank, among many others. He's made billions of dollars for others and has personally worked with over 10,000 clients in more than 400 industries. In a world filled with hot-aired, self-proclaiming gurus, I bring to you the real deal. The man who doesn't just talk the talk, but walks the walk and helps others do the same. Jay, welcome to the show and thanks for letting me pick your brain. Well, first of all, I'm honored, Daniel. And secondly, thank goodness we're not on video because I'm purple red with embarrassment. But that was very (laughs) gracious. Thank you. I'm sure you've had many, many intros like that, right, in the past. (laughs) Well, you know, you're probably used to it by now. Very gracious. Now, let's see if I can live up to uh, your standards. (laughs) That's the challenge. Well, I just want to say to to the audience listening, um, for those of you that know Jay, um, I've I've read Jay's book and uh, I've been a big fan of his. So for me, it was like a big deal to get him on the show. Um, he's an extremely busy and very accomplished uh, individual. Um, and I just did like a, a 10 minute just pre, you know, pre-show kind of a video with him. And I have to say, I, I, I'm absolutely amazed at how humble uh, you are, Jay. Like, you, you know, you just you really genuinely want to help people it's not just about the money for you and it's like it's such a it's such a huge lesson and you know what i want to do with this show is i'm sure i'm sure you get asked the same questions over and over again and i thought i would make this a little bit more interesting are you you, you ready to roll jay um i'm as as i told you in the in the pre-discussion i love surprises i have no idea what you're going to ask but I, I suspect they'll be very worthy questions that will be very enlightening for your listeners. So go for it. All right. Here we go. So first of all, I want you to share something that you've never shared before. Mm. <laughs> okay. How about this? Okay. Uh, I think I may have shared it very, very, very. This is going back in my origin because I started out uh, with no education and got married at 18 and had two kids at the age of, of 20 and the needs of somebody 40. And the and we lived with my mother and father. And the first, uh, well, well, this is interesting. When I got married, we got married in a courthouse and on the way home, we were involved in a three car collision 
and the, the tow truck brought the remnants of the car and my new wife to my parents for oh my honeymoon. Oh, goodness And me. I saved up. We had one car that was a beat-up one that I bought for my wife, and I took three buses to go to my my first job. And the first night we moved into our new apartment, I got fired. I don't think I've shared that with a lot of people. And I took the the last buses home because I was so embarrassed and didn't get home till about midnight. And I was heartbroken, but uh, it was a very defining uh, experience in my life. So there's a, a piece of not success-based, but mm-hmm. uh, challenging your tensile strength-based. Very, very cool. And if you... If you <laughs> no, I don't know. It didn't seem cool at the time. No, I'm sure. It was it was it was memorable. Let's put it that way. I mean, what did you take from that, though? What did you you said it was very memorable, and 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 it's there's a reason why you brought it up. Of all the things you could have brought, and you've got tons and tons of experience. Um, why that? Why particularly that story? It, because it was a redefining moment. A couple of other incidents similar at the same time when I was struggling for uh, direction, purpose, identity. But I realized at first I was I was. Uh, almost comatose, depressed, uh, self-pitying, uh, wallowing in a, a mental miasma of of feeling victim. And then I realized the world doesn't care. The world doesn't care. And I don't mean this disrespectful. Mm-hmm. They don't care if you're down and you dust yourself off and you don't just jump back in the ring, but you knock out the opponent and you go higher and higher. The world doesn't care if you wish to be a victim and just and and you know self uh, self destruct and with the liberating realization that there's you know yesterday is irrelevant I mean as long as you maintain your integrity and your ethos and 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 you don't sell that out it was a very it was liberating and and it, it sort of was the first fuel cell of propellant to uh, my 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 desire and my and my uh, actual not just desire because that's aspirational. My uh, my focus on on higher, broader, wider, more meaningful achievement. So it was it was a very defining sort of an event, if that makes sense. I don't yeah. know if I explained it too complexly. No, no, it makes a hundred percent sense. Let me ask you this: if you if you had just if you just found out now that you only have a week left to live. Sorry about the morbid question here, but well, that's okay. Go what ahead. would you What would you spend your time doing? Uh, well, probably because, uh, in all honesty, it, there, there's a there's the, the adage in my field that you know we we're all trying to learn what we're teaching. I've been uh, I've been uh, fanatically obsessed with the betterment of of value. Uh, creation-oriented entrepreneurs all my life, mm-hmm. and it's been to some degree at the detriment of my family. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of my achievements. I'm proud of the impact, but I have, you know, I have seven children from from uh, three marriages, and they love me. But I've been more sometimes. Uh, my mistress has been entrepreneurship, and I would mm-hmm. probably basically spend as much time with them as I could and then I would make sure that not for legacy but for contribution as much of my body of work was re-entrusted to people who could freely distribute it in a meaningful way 
to current and future entrepreneurs so that I knew that it wouldn't, uh, not because I'm that important, but I think that a lot of what I uh, have both discovered, synthesized, is profoundly important, particularly the preeminent stuff, and it would be shameful if it died because no one perpetuated it, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and basically, I don't know if that answers, if it sounds selfish, but it's not meant to be. Hey, listen, Jay, as long as you're being truthful and, and real, then that doesn't really matter what anybody thinks of what you say, right? <laughs> That's true. Right? I, I, you know, it, it, we only have to live with ourselves ultimately and yeah, die. Yeah, and I, I recently heard an amazing quote, um, what you think of me has nothing to do with me. It's very profound. It's yeah. very profound. I, I, I like that. I'll, yeah. I, when we're done, repeat it because I want to be in the moment, not write things down. But I would yeah. like to uh, to share that with yeah. a lot of people. I think it's elegantly simple but profound. Thank it's, you. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think I'm ugly, then that you know that has nothing to do with me. What you think, you know, yeah. if you, if you think I'm I'm handsome, you know, that's again, it's got nothing to do with me. Um, but based on based on your answer, like, why do you do what you do? Based on what you just said, if you had a week left, you would spend it with your family. Why do you do what you do? Well, uh, this is, and, and it's a great question. And I think I can give you an interesting answer because I've spent deep, reflective time trying to understand my own motivations. I don't think most people really understand themselves deeply enough. And I'm not saying I do, but <clears throat> I, I try to chronicle why, how, and what drove me in the beginning and and sustained it and it never was money although i needed to make a livelihood it was an attraction to entrepreneurs who vividly and and passionately were either or or both trying to add greater contribution value to an industry a product or service category than their competitors or saw a void that they felt needed to be filled, but that they were motivated first and foremost on a purpose based, not on a avaricious based. And I was obsessively, let's call it, uh, con positively contaminated by their passion, their purpose, their sense of possibility. And it was not at ever money motivated. And then as I got older and got exposed to so many. Uh, higher performing ways to market, sell, be strategic instead of tactical, compete, reach markets, add value. I would see people who were under um, underperforming and were restricting, limiting, constraining their ability to contribute, to reach, to serve more people. And I realized that they were dedicating their entire life and accepting a fraction of a fraction of a fraction, not just of the economic results, but of the meaningful contribution if they were really uh, value creators and also the wealth they could create and the, and the impact they could have. And that was sort of a composite driver and it's probably evolved and gotten you know, morphed and become more of a kaleidoscopic, uh, you know, a, a sort of a amalgam of drivers today but i think if i go back that would be it i don't know again please stop me if i'm being too confusing no listen i hear what you're saying but but what about like today in terms of right now i understand what you did back in the day um you know everybody wants to make money right like you know when you're young you, you know that's kind of the, the driver and and also to be honest with you you know you mentioned your mistress uh you know money and business 
I, I think that as an entrepreneur, it's it's almost like impossible to to not be involved in it. I don't think you would be happy or I would be happy if I spent my my whole day with my wife and kids. Like if I wanted to be a nanny, like great, but I'm not. Like that's not what I want to do. I'd shoot myself in the head if I had to do that. You know, I mean, yes. <laughs> you know, I could babysit the kids for an hour and I'm going nuts, right? I love my kids. I have four kids, um, beautiful little that's children. Wonderful. Yeah, and I love them to pieces. But you know what? I, I just... You know, at this, I, I could not do what my wife does. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I have that kind of the need to, you know, people always ask, what's the definition of an entrepreneur? You know, how, how would you define an entrepreneur? Well, I would borrow Peter Drucker's because <clears throat> I love it and I use it uh, repetitively in discussion. Uh, he said there are two types of business people, proprietors and entrepreneurs. And his analogy was a deli, but you can elevate it to the highest uh the highest uh, pinnacle of, of, of business. He said it, it, the average deli owner buys a deli, starts a deli, opens a deli in an area where there's there's already you know food service uh, businesses, and he or she is really doing nothing more than trying to divert oxygen and, and commerce from the area. And if you go into their deli, it's going to be clean, and they're going to have you know fresh hopefully fresh you know meats and cheeses and breads and it'll be the polite and hopefully the tables will be clean and the people have nice uniforms but it'll be non uh descriptive non eventful uh uh non memorable and certainly uh non differentiated he said a true entrepreneur starts out with the desire to create a greater outcome a greater experience a greater uh, a greater impact positively and not selflessly but but um, but meaningfully to the you know to the client to the to the to the customer uh, we use the word client but that's a different different discussion and that the true entrepreneur is driven by creating greater experience value uh, Advantage, whatever, whatever it depends on well, what business you're in. Whether you're providing mm -hmm. protection, advantage, benefit, ex, you know, excitement, whatever it is. But he or she starts, and they they think about it from the total perspective of the experience of the other side. Mm -hmm. What's it going to be like when they embrace the you know the front? What's it going to be like the, the smells? It you know what's it going to be like when they look at the counter? What's it, what what are the the signage? What are the expressions? The connections? That the staff will have. What are the 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 various nuances that will make it a most wondrous and meaningful experience, and differentiate them in not just from monetary terms because money is a reward for adding value. Should be if you're making money just because you're opportunistic, it's not going to be long lived. But if you're adding value continuously and not static about it. You'll be rewarded, but that's what I think an entrepreneur is, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah, do you know what I think an entrepreneur is? Please. Somebody who can't do anything else. Like, <laughs> that's it. Like, to me, it's an entrepreneur is someone who cannot work for anybody else. Simple. Because a lot of people say, oh, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur. Let me ask you a question. Like, if you're, if you're sitting in a booth right now and you're working nine to five and you're, you are not an entrepreneur, because an entrepreneur physically wouldn't be able to mentally, emotionally deal with that. Now, I worked, I worked, I worked in my father's grocery store because I needed to pay the bills. And I'm telling you, I, want, I literally woke up depressed every single day. 
Well, let me add to it very interestingly. If you exempt technologists, which is a different kind of an entrepreneur often, and you look at about every other one, if you go back and regressively analyze their life, most of them were still, they, they were enterprising when they were young. They either bought and sold uh, pop bottles or rebuilt bicycles or mm -hmm. had three paper routes or, you know, sold lemonade. And they it was almost in their DNA. And I do agree with you. An entrepreneur is someone that uh, that it's not defiant, but it's it's impossible for them to work for anyone else, not because they resent them, but because they have a different path and they have a different vision and they and they are uh, fanatically independent and and they're very colorful. The mm -hmm. wonderful thing about entrepreneurs, they're every size, kind, dimension, and they're some of the most uh, uh, really interesting and 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 not just fascinating, but but uh, amazing people. On anybody who's got the ability to manifest a vision and successfully grow it in service. Again, I keep hitting on the service to others, but let's let's delete that. Just to manifest a vision and grow it, monetize it at, at any size. It doesn't matter right. if you're local, regional, national, international, intergalactic. Yeah. And it's pretty profound. It's pretty profound. Here's the thing, Jay. Excuse so me, I'm right on an airport runway and we have we have a big helicopter manufacturing <laughs> company here that's always testing their helicopters. So if you hear chop chop chop, it's it's it's, it's the helicopter <laughs> it's flying helicopter off. Outside the window. Very cool. Here's the thing. I, I feel like there's a lot of a lot of um, gurus and experts and consultants that have popped up, and there's like you know every Tom, Dick, and Harry wants to be a consultant because it's the let's face it, it's the easiest job, right? You just you don't need anything, right? You don't need an office, you don't need uh, products, you don't need you don't need staff. You you can literally set up like I could just wake up one morning and go. I'm a business consultant, ding, 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 I'm in business, right? And start charging like, you know, whatever, $500 an hour to consult. There's a lot of people that are literally just, they've got no experience, they're going out there. What makes you different? Meaning like, and, and, and before you answer that, Jay, I wanna, I wanna bring up something that, to me, um, it, it just fascinates me about you because I read your book about, I think it was like five years ago. So the fact that I remember this story from five years ago, is impressive like it was a remarkable story and I'd like you to share it with the audience because it kind of just it shows the value of of, of what you offer and um, correct me if I'm wrong at one point I don't know if you still do but you charge like five thousand dollars an hour uh, well our, our day rate I'm not trying to be arrogant is a hundred grand a day Woo we prefer long-term that's incredible <clears throat> relation yeah well but but yeah I did it one time charge five and one time I charged two when I started, and, and yeah. yeah, I've I've been very blessed to be able to command a little bit more than most. No, so 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 Jay, I want people listening to this who are, you know, either they're going to be consultants or they're trying to build their consulting practice, or they want to hire a consultant and they want to understand the value and the difference between a you know, a, a hot air you know, and someone mm -hmm. who's actually going to do something. So, the first thing I wanted to ask you is. How do you how do you charge? No, you know what? I want I want you to share this story because it's I, it's such a great story. There was a company called Icy Hot. It was a product sure. called Icy Hot. 
So I guess for those listening that don't know what Icy Hot is, can you explain what it is and how you got involved in, and how what you did with them? Because I, I find it fascinating. Yeah, sure. It's got it's got a lot of very interesting um, <clears throat> analogies and and uh, metaphoric uh, implications. And I do say today it must be helicopter testing days because a beautiful day where I am. <laughs> uh, so this is going to go back in time. Today, Icy Hot is pretty well known in the states. It's a very it's a very uh, prominent consumer brand that's uh, that's advertised everywhere and in the stores. But thirty some years ago, <clears throat> I was with a company, and the company specialized in buying old line mail order patent medicines that were almost dead, and they revitalized them. And one of the products they bought was an old line company called J.W. Gibson that sold a product called Iciot. We were gonna try to figure out what to do with it, but we did a little of analysis on the buyers, and what we found is even though they hadn't promoted very aggressively for years, and this is very this goes to a very powerful concept most people understand, we looked at what we will call a lifetime value, marginal net worth, and we were looking at these factors 30 years before anyone was really bantering the language around, and we found that every time we got about 10 new buyers, eight of them would sustain literally forever because there was no cure for arthritis, bursitis, rheumatism, and the product was wonderful on temporary relief. And not only that, but out of the eight, about four would buy at least one other product multiple times a year. And out of those four, at least one and a half would buy, and I might be off on my point, maybe it's two, bulk to give away to their, their, uh, you know, their senior age friends and the aggregate value every time we got 10 first time buyers was about a hundred times just to be very, very simple, uh, what, what it was worth. And we, at the time, this is long ago, our, our out of the door cost was 55 cents to make it, put it in a package send it to somebody geez i'm so sorry i've never had this many helicopters out. <laughs> it's okay i can't even uh, hear it okay so to send it out and we sold it for three dollars by mail and this is you know 19 late 70s mid 70s and so we had a profit margin of two dollars and 45 cents <laughs> we didn't have any marketing budget and my charge my purpose my job totally on performance was to go to as many radio stations television stations publications as I could and persuade them to run ads whenever they had unsold time space for our product, selling it for $3 and giving them, we didn't give them 100%, we gave them 115%. We let them keep all the money and we actually sent them an extra 45 cents and we analyzed the whole business of risk reversal. What was the risk to a media of doing that. Well, the first risk was the product wouldn't perform. Hmm. But if we weren't making a penny, obviously it was inherent on us to make the product not only perform, but to get it into people's hands right away so they would reorder. Number two, stations, media were worried people wouldn't get the product. So we would send two or three dozen bottles to the media to have on hand, even if the product was en route so that we would always be the good guy. Third, they worried they wouldn't get paid, and we just let them keep the money and just rush us the buyer name so we could fulfill. So in, in a very quick, the story gets even more interesting. I, I was very able through a lot of different experimentation to find very uh, compelling, persuasive ways 
to get a lot of media. We ended up with about a thousand radio stations, television stations, magazines, uh, product shippers that had products that were parallel universes to our buyer profile to work with us on a purely performance basis. We ended up at about a year with 500,000 repeat buyers. Wow. And a very significant, but it gets better. We got $27 million at that time, which would probably be like $200 million today wow. of free advertising. And we accidentally forced retail distribution, meaning everybody started going to their pharmacies, their groceries, uh, asking for it. And they started contacting us. And we accidentally became a consumer product. It was bought by uh, a, a company that was a pharmaceutical company in Chicago called GD Searle, which was subsequently acquired by somebody else for tens of millions of dollars. But here's the hilarity, if anybody understands direct mm -hmm. marketing. They didn't even want the buyer list. They just gave us a non-compete in arthritis. So we got to keep 500,000 consistent uh, quality buyers of the product. They didn't even want the company, they just wanted the product. We got to keep the brand name associated with it. We got to keep all the thousand distribution channels. That's a pretty interesting story. That's incredible. But let me ask you this. What what does it take for 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 you to come up with an idea like that? Meaning, why is it, what separates you from, from everybody else? Like, why would someone pay? There is an yeah. answer, and it's, it's, it's a hard-won answer, and it's a clinically-based, not an arrogantly-based. Okay. Uh, what what defined me, and this is a, probably a very meaningful piece of understanding me, because I had no education and because I had an outrageously oversized uh, obligation to kids and young, uh, I had nobody that would give me a job that would pay me anything, so I only worked with entrepreneurs who gave me pretty much performance-based uh, activities, and I jumped because I was very, very curious and perhaps at the time I was uh, uh, well, there's a there's a word I was more of a of a oh, I can't think of the word right now but it means that I was oh, I guess I was transitory and I go from one industry not not job but industry to another to another after about 10 Daniel I made a startling stunning and life-altering realization and that was that people in one industry had no clue how people in another or another or another sold, marketed, hmm. distributed, accessed, competed, generated ancillary income. And I was able to start borrowing success approaches that were very commonplace in one industry, combine them, integrate them into hybrids, and then apply them to industries that never experienced them. And uh, you can't see my hand, but it's rising past <laughs> the ceiling if I was tall enough. And we had all these catapulting, um, uh, really, uh, success stories. And everyone thought it was I. And it was probably me more as an, an importer of concepts that were foreign to industries that pretty much followed the same herd approach, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, for sure. <laughs> and then it got to be after, I mean, after doing it, we, we did an analysis, and again, this is just clinical. I've done over 460-some industries, but we've done 7,100 in the last count, 24 sub-industries. And when you have that kind of a, a massive reference context and you've seen reality on the front lines of capitalism, I don't know, uh, 
you know, a thousand different strategic approaches, you know, maybe 500 different marketing mm-hmm. uh, strategies, et cetera, et cetera, all the way through business models. You have, you have an advantage that an enormous number of people don't. And if you'll allow me, there's two other points that I think are very profound to everybody else. Sure. Actually, three. In my, four. <laughs> I'll do it <laughs> quick, though. In my evolution, I was blessed by having four things happen. One, one of my early clients was the Deming organization, and you may be too young, but Deming was the father of process improvement and optimization, which is getting highest and best use of time, effort, opportunity cost, uh, capital, human capital, relational capital. Uh, He approached it in terms of throughput manufacturing, and nobody came to me for help with their methodology. They came for me to help elevate their stature, monetize it more ways, more places. But I had to learn it. When I learned optimization and I learned all the different performance enhancement met, or, or impact points in a, a process or in a revenue stream, it exploded my awareness of how much more was possible, again, from an effort, uh, uh, an outcome, an ad. Then I learned direct response marketing, which shows you how to test and improve every impact point of your communication because you've got the possibility of improving the same communication, same ad, same, uh, you know, same email, same uh, uh, booth space at a trade show up to 21 times. And then it gets better. I worked with the world's largest multivariable testing organization and I helped them with just marketing and positioning. But I got to look at a billion dollars worth of very sophisticated million dollar plus experiments they'd done on everything from placing, you know, different SKUs, you understand that from the grocery business on shelves to yep. different uh, different ways of articulating uh, a sales proposition, different ways of following up after a sale for uh, perseverance and to eliminate breakage. And then I got to work with the world's preeminent litigation strategic consulting firm and got to look at billions of dollars worth of of case study uh, uh, research on venues, on how to depict pain and suffering or minimize it. And then lastly, I helped about 300 experts and they came to me not for help with their methodology, but for help to position, elevate, uh, uh, re-monetize. Uh, but I had to learn a short course on all their methodology so I was very blessed, not counting the, the commercial industries I've been in, but I got this outrageous composite uh, and diverse, very expert education that is right. very unique. I don't know if that helps you, but yeah. that's how I explain it. But Jay, you, you, you built that up, meaning over time you built that up and eventually you had the right relationships, you had the right experience, people trusted you. Um, but right at the beginning, like, how did you... How did you charge for something you didn't have? Meaning, how did you go in there the first time you, you took on a client? Um, well, you, have, you yeah. have to understand how it began. So I had a succession of sort of jobs, and I was very fortunate because the last one I had was Entre- Entrepreneur Magazine. I was in charge of all the strategic marketing, and we grew it about, uh, it was eight or 900% in one year through a very powerful concept and I stopped doing it but at that point I had a track record that was almost mythical and I'm just saying it clinically so I had a history of 
multiple outrageous, very short time period, you know, uh, I guess I'd call them uh, orders of magnitude growth. And it was not hard because I was going to go back to challenge, not you, but when you said it's easy to sell consulting, you are right. It's easy to sell veneer consulting. It's very hard to produce results right. that are sustainable and meaningful. And I got very focused in my life from the beginning because I was, I, when you only eat if you earn, you learn what works and what doesn't and what works better. And I've always defaulted to result-based uh, activities. So I was very confident. And then as we grew, we had, you know, it just became, right. like there was a time when we had uh, consult. We had like I think we had a thousand testimonials in a book that weighed oh my eight hundred eight pounds. And when people would say, "Why should I, uh, you know, why should I trust you?" We'd send it to them. We used to run. You don't know about my history. We we did a quarter billion dollars of seminars, and I just oh, got a little wow. too tired of doing ed, enter, being intellectual entertainment. But we used to run. This is pretty fascinating. We would run twenty page communiques in all the flight in flight magazines and success. And Forbes, and what was unique about it is we would contribute probably 10 pages of actual uh, methodology people could apply right away. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, we would have three pages of testimonials, but not the kind that most people have, which are uh, which are generic and amorphous. And they would say J A uh, <laughs> uh, California. <laughs> we would have at least 20 different diverse people all over the world. And we would have their daytime phone numbers you could call. No way, really. That's incredible. Well, yeah, because I made it out from a difference. And these people, people don't realize a testimonial is not just an affirmation of your contribution and your and your and your meaningful ability. It's an expression by the 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 person or the company giving it that wants to help other people gain the same benefit or advantage so these people were very eager we just had a disclaimer and said please don't call these unless it's the last you know the last yeah. uh mile in your in your Fine finalization process. of your commitment because right. don't bother them but they were very delighted to talk which did was you, a great honor to me that they would be willing to do that did you have a selection process as well i'm, I'm assuming you didn't take on everybody clients. yeah in terms of clients and, yes. men, and mentees as well by the way as well yes what, what yeah. was that selection process? Well, it has evolved and, and morphed as I elevated the, the, the scope of interest and activities. But in the beginning, because the majority of my income, I didn't want, I mean, it sounds great to get $5,000 an hour, but it's even greater if you can, if you have the ability, if you can create uh, in, enhanced and, and enhanced performance for everything people are doing. And you can introduce higher performing alternatives and additions, plus new distribution channels, plus uh, ancillary ways to repurpose buyers' distribution channels and get a percentage of that. So I always used my high price as a contrast to preferring to get a lower base fee and get a piece. So what I did was I always looked for companies in the beginning that had, uh, I had a 12 or 15 point criteria. First of all, they had to be a company that added, again, I'm a fanatic about more value, more contribution, mm -hmm. more preeminence, which is a longer discussion than probably today, to their to their market. Number two, they had to have a lot of, of uh, what I'll call velocity, critical mass, and motion. A lot of ads being run before the internet, a lot of 
online, a lot of uh, leads coming in, a lot of salespeople in the field, a lot of uh, trade shows they went to. So I had I had leverageable a lot of you know if it was telephone selling, 100, 200, 300 salespeople, uh, uh, a large number of distributors or or franchisees. They had to be meaningfully underutilizing whatever they were doing in a way I could easily see uh, uh, that there was a, a huge catalytic uh, opportunity for me. They had to be collaborative. And why why do you think why do you think that they can't see what you can see? Meaning they're bringing you into a company that's I'm assuming you know successful, right? Why? What? Hopefully, can you, yes. Right, right. They're already pretty much right. So what? Can you, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm asking this just be, I, I'd love to know why is it that a, a, someone can come into a company and see something that none of them can see? And they're, they're bright, they're, they're bright individuals, right? They've managed to, to grow the company so far. So what is it that they can't see that you can? It's an advantage, disadvantage, and I'll tell you what it is. First is probably how my brain is wired, both in uh, seeing correlations, implications, anomalies, patterns, distinctions that can be distilled down and universally reapplied. Number two, it's the depth of real world frontline of capitalism, highly diverse worldwide, not just here. I do it in Japan. I do it in in, uh, China. We do $25,000 a person. I'm not being arrogant, Mm -hmm. which is factual. 90-minute makeovers to entrepreneurs on a stage in China, in, in wow. uh, Shanghai through translation <laughs> where they get their money back if I don't succeed. So I've had to really perform, and I couldn't fake it. I've done, you know, I don't know, 20. Last year we were in Italy twice. We were in Paris. We were in London twice. We were in Ireland. I was in Vietnam. I was in Bangkok. I was in Tokyo. <laughs> and I think I was in China. I don't remember. But I wow. have to deal through translation, and you have to be able to communicate clearly. But the biggest point is I have a context of understanding that's almost, uh, very truthfully, it sounds unreal. And the advantage is I can see something from a 360 CAT scan, kaleidoscopic, uh, unimaginably diverse set of possibilities that are all empirical-based. They're not theoretical. Is there a way... Is there, sorry, way, ahead, is, is there a way that somebody listening to this can adopt those skills, or is that something that you're just born with and you can't, you no. can't actually get? I mean, I mean, I can't promise you'll be I, and I'm. And I was going to say the detriment is I don't. I, I I'm so expansively involved and interested. I don't run my own business, so I have to be very very good at what I do and earn a lot of money because I don't have uh, that other kind of of. Uh, Focus, but I would say that the biggest the biggest lesson that I learned that I try to teach everybody is what I call funnel vision versus tunnel vision. And Daniel, it's very simple. Stretch yourself to learn not just what people are doing in your industry, but what people are doing everywhere else. Stretch yourself to learn and examine and observe and evaluate and acknowledge how other people see life because it's very different than you uh, in terms of their experiences, their definitions, their value uh, 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 correlations. Stretch yourself to see how other industries, markets, sell, relationship build, because that's where real growth comes from. If you look at, and and I'm going to go back, but if you look at some of the greatest 
uh, and, and I'm going to go old because my brain is going to just go to deferred references <laughs> that I've used a lot. But Federal Express was nothing more than than adopting and adapting what used to be the way that the Federal Reserve Bank cleared checks. They just applied to hub and spoke to them. Uh, 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 oh, shoot. Uh, telecommunications got almost all of its technology from aerospace. Viagra was originally, I can't remember if it was, if it was <laughs> used for hearts, uh, Rogaine for something else. Either the ballpoint pen or the roll-on deodorant was taken from the one or the other. And I can go on and on and on mm, and on. Interesting. Right. But breakthroughs, everyone's looking for internal breakthroughs. That's a lot of effort. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of speculative high risk. When you can adapt, adopt, integrate, synthesize, not just one, but multiple proven and, and very, very well uh, validated approaches from outside your industry, You've got great advantages, like the one-eyed man in the land of the blind, Daniel. Nope, you lost me on that one, Jay. Sorry. Well, there's an adage that uh, the one-eyed man in the land of the blind, of the blind, is king because he's the only one that can see. Oh, get it. Okay, cool. I'm sorry. I, no, see, I'm okay. using, I'm dating <laughs> myself with vintage phrases <laughs> that your generation probably isn't familiar. But but it just means. That if you see you, things, you and basically do understand things. Yeah, I, I understand. Seen, everything in life is advantage. You're swiping and deploying, right? That's pretty much what you're doing. You're seeing what works in one area, and you're swiping, deploying in another area. It's 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 genius. And, 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 yeah. and I would say yes. I just personally don't like the word swipe because it connotes to me. Uh, you, uh, right. uh, again, I'm not, not knocking you because swipe files are are yeah. commonplace terminology, but I think you are borrowing and bettering. Borrowing yeah. and bettering. Borrowing and bettering. I like that you better. Are, You're right. Borrowing and bettering. I'm yeah, going to use I like that. I like to now. think in terms of that. But basically, you're right. adapting, adopting, yeah. uh, you know, and you're importing and and integrating all kinds of different <laughs> uh, strategic and and um, and operational. I'm just it's, it's we were doing this frankly long before the concept of of uh, best practices and best practices. I can go at a much, I mean, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I can show you how to take the concept of best practices to sublime because there's ways to go so much deeper and more granular. But but again, I, it's not because of me. I've been exposed to outrageous spectrum of much brighter thinkers, uh, entrepreneurs. So basically relationships, relationships is also a big factor, key factor in, in how you, you know, manage to, to get to where you are, right? I think uh, relational capital is the most undervalued, under um, appreciated, and underutilized element in the 100%. business. Um, I'll, sh I'll share with you something. I'll share with you a little secret, Jay. Do you know why I started this, this podcast show? I can imagine, right. and I suspect it's going to go to what we're talking about because you're building outrageous relationships mm -hmm. with some of the most stunning and, and, and mammoth minds out there. But tell me. Well, see, here's the thing, right? People think, oh, I'll start a podcast show and I'll hopefully get, you know, people listening and then I'll maybe able to, you know, I'll be able to sell them something eventually or whatever it is, right? Um, yes. But that's that's shallow thinking. It's, it's right? It's, it's, it's what were you saying? Tunnel vision, right? Whereas funnel vision would be that I don't even care if I don't get one person listening to this episode. Do you know why, Jay? Yeah, I do, but I, I want to hear you explain I, it. I'm not trying I'd, to be arrogant. I do. Because, because, because I'd have to pay you know, $20,000, $30,000 to speak to Jay, to, to Jay Abraham today. 
No, and, you're exactly right. And, and guess and what? Jay is I've eager got you. to share because you were recommended by somebody I respect. Exactly. So Cameron Harold, right, who's now a strategic advisor on the board of one of my companies, how do you think I got him as a strategic advisor? I had him on my show. And after the show, I spoke to him and he asked me what I did. And I told him about a company called Get Featured, which I recently launched. And he said, I love that idea. I'd love to be involved. And boom, like a week later, he's a strategic advisor. He's sending us clients. And, you know, then the next thing I know, I said, Cameron, do you know anybody else that would be great for my show? And he goes, you know, gives me a list of people. Among them is Jay Abraham. And I'm thinking, are you serious? Jay Abraham? I didn't like, how else would I get? You know, how else would I get in touch with someone like you? So, and, and I've had so many, I've had like the leading uh, FBI hostage negotiator on my show. I've had the, the smartest man alive, um, a guy called Walter O'Brien. I know had, Walter. Yeah, I had him so on my really show. Wild. He's a very interesting man. Really interesting. But you know what's really cool is that <laughs> little old me, I'm going to say little old me, right? Because I'm young, I'm 33. And, you know, a, a year ago, before I started the podcast show, I didn't really know anybody. I was, like, living in my, my own little world. I had, like, two companies that I managed to, 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 to build up and, and bring in passive income. But other than that, I didn't have a big network. And about, I think it was about a month ago, um, Cameron put out a, a message on Facebook saying that he just got hacked. Uh, somebody had hacked into his uh, computer and they stole his identity. And they sent him an email saying that unless you pay such and such a, um, amount of money, uh, I'm going to ruin your life, basically. So, you know, he was in serious, like, he, he had no idea what to do. I straight away thought, hold on a second, he's, he's got to speak to Walter O'Brien, right? So I sent an email to Walter O'Brien and Cameron Harold, and I said, Walter, meet Cameron, Cameron, meet Walter. Cameron has got a hacker who's basically stole his identification and holding him hostage. Uh, Walter, kick some butt and, and take care of it, right? And the two of them connected, and both of them reached back out to me saying, Daniel, thank you so much. You know, they're now good friends, and, and they work together, and it's wonderful. And it's like insane that I, and now I'm able to make more and more connections um, because of the show. So, I mean, my, my question to you, though, is, what would you say are the most important relationships you've built to, to get to where you are today? Hmm, that's interesting. <clears throat> uh, well, I was very blessed because I helped Tony Robbins earlier in his career, and he's been, he, he and I, uh, he, I think I'm the only person that he does a full day with uh, in problem-solving clinics for his, his people, and he's still, uh, he's still, extols my my attributes 30 years later he's been a very uh i have a very i have a couple of people who are very well connected who i have purposely added a lot of value to and they've connected me a lot Stephen mr covey was not not he never connected me but he was a wonderful uh wonderful advocate i'm trying to think uh, because I've, I'm, I'm very unique because i've had such a blessed life and so many interesting people uh, be benefactors and um, and contributors to my relationships. I think it rather than identifying a person, I would re re, re uh, con configure the question and say, what's the greatest lesson that you've learned? And, and it's 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 a little trite, but you got to mm -hmm. find a way to first 
show somebody your relevancy. And I'll give you a, a couple of examples. When I started out, and there there still is a company, but it was a huge company back in the days of audio, Nightingale Conant, and they had every major business uh, icon that they published audio, and I wanted all those people to endorse me. And I went to Nightingale, and I, by the way, I'm going to send you another book that's an old one, but we have a book called <laughs> Money Making Secrets, Mr. X, we sold about 70,000 copies of before the first one at about $400, and this was a great book. And I asked if, uh, I, I helped Nightingale first, and we made them a lot of money. And then I asked them if they would go to all their their authors and their and their experts uh, in the business community and ask them if I could buy them two hours of my time and also give them my book and if they and there was no other expectation if they wanted at the end they would be certainly uh, welcomed and appreciated if they wanted to give me any kind of an encouragement or have me do anything else for them gratis and he got me a hundred and I spent two months not making a, a cent but consulting with prominent people all over the world and I got 80 of them to end up endorsing me because my my uh, my contribution my ideas my relevancy was uh, clearly conveyed but I think you have to have the right most people try to build relationships for themselves and and that and and that really doesn't get you the outcome you want I think that I've been blessed because I've been able first of all to to add really meaningful and quite uniquely uh, explosive value to people. And I'm not being arrogant. I'm just giving you a truthful assessment. Mm -hmm. And I asked nothing in, I mean, like, as I told you this, we made a decision five years ago that we wanted to be the greatest entrepreneurial benefactor in the world. So we gift to people that just like you don't care if anyone listens, we gift to people better better resources and we don't ask for an opt-in because I know it'll still help my brand currency. I know that most people can't afford me, but I can afford to invest in them and it always comes back. But you have to have a strategy. You also have to be able to think not selfishly, but selflessly. And selfless is probably, frankly, the most selfish because <laughs> it, it pays off uh, out of proportion to short-term you know, self-interest. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of things that I could say, but I think that relationship building has to be predicated on two things. You have to be interested first in someone to be deemed interesting, and you have to really be uh, be connected to have them connect you. And I think it's more than most people. It's it's actually simpler, but it requires a purity and a, and a, and a and a uh, and a high, uh, I guess, a highly concentrated commitment to the relationship. And I don't think most people have the ability or the understanding of how uh, outsized the, the the return will be, both in financial yield and in psychological emotion. I mean, I've got I've, I've got a great friend who's the uh, the former senior advisor to the third largest private equity firm that became a dear friend because someone said we ought to be friends. He introduced me and now I'm a senior advisor to one of the most prestigious uh, uh, young entrepreneurial technology mentoring firms. They Somebody else introduced me to one of the biggest hedge fund guys and my wife and I get invited 
every year to the biggest hedge fund conference. And, and, and you got to be able to really be interested and add, you, know, you got to understand what value means to other people. And Daniel, most people don't care. What and do that's people why value? Most people are frustrated and don't get what they want because they don't understand what to give, if that makes sense. What, so what should they give? What, what do people like? The people listening to this now, what, what advice could you give them to start building key relationships? What should they be giving? What do people see as valuable? Because well, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, again, Jay, everybody's, sorry, doing, cause everybody's doing the same thing. Everybody's going, hey, man, here's a free newsletter. Hey, here's a free ebook. Here's, no, we don't care. That's well, junk. We don't well, want your free well, ebook. Yeah. I mean, I don't do anything free. My, 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 because uh, uh, I think free is so, you're right, so discounted. I will buy you, I will buy you a thousand dollar program or I will buy you something that's not on the market. And I want to establish, I think, first of all, you have to establish value. Mm-hmm. And there's two kinds of value there's the value that, the other side defines, and it may not be the same criteria as yours, and then there's valuing yourself and not being arrogant, and that's very delicate. That requires you to appreciate what you bring to the table, but to understate it, but make sure that that value is expressed as long as, and here's where the nuance comes in, it's congruent with the value definition of the other side. I don't believe in, and one of the things that, I'm very adamant about it. I don't believe at all in one size fits all. Mm-hmm. When I counsel a client about giving something in a web in a, on a website, mm-hmm. I make certain that first of all they never give. Second of all that they always invest and purchase it for the other side and that they yeah. always establish three things. A a implied uh, or explicit agreement of what they want the other side to do and why they are investing in them. In other words, I'm not just giving you a free report. I'm investing this this educational primer in you because I think you'll take it, you'll sit down, you'll spend the quality time and attention to really thoroughly study it, you'll evaluate it in your mind, you'll apply it in your business or in your life, you'll see you'll see evidential uh, results, those results will be meaningful. It'll validate my value to you. You'll then want to come back and invest some of the benefits you got from me mm-hmm. investing you back into something commercial. And I established that, but I think that it's a longer converse. <clears throat> Pardon me one second. Excuse me. <clears throat> my voice is dry. I've been on the phone since six. Hold on. Oh, my goodness. It's a I, longer I was, conversation. I was going to say, Jay. Step, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that a great example that I, 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 I really recently is that for, for our company, Get Featured, um, we wanted to create an ambassador program because we, we knew that the way to scale the business the fastest is to get ambassadors for the company to recommend you know, their network, right? Um, but that meant we needed to find people who like, have a big network, okay? Um, and so at the beginning, we thought, well, let's just pay them, you know, 500 bucks per referral. But then we realized very quickly that these guys don't need our money. 
and people are not really that, especially at their level, they're not motivated by money, right? They're busy building their own business and, and for the same time that they would uh, spend sending us clients, they could be getting clients for their own, for their own, you know, for their own companies. And, and people don't realize this, but with affiliate programs, that's the flaw is that people think that, oh, if I give you 15%, you'll go out of your way to bring me clients. That doesn't work, right? So what we decided was, there's two things that we, 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 here's what we did. I basically got on the phone with the people that we wanted as ambassadors. I, I scheduled a call with them and I sat with them on the phone and I said to them, this is what we're doing. We want you to be an ambassador if it's the right fit. What do you want from us? What can we give you? And it was like so unique because they never, they never had that before. Usually they, we just get, you know, people just guess and we say, well, we'll give you this. And the feedback what kind of was- What answers did you get? This is the feedback we got. We want, we want to, we know that our network is our net worth. And so if you can help build our network, that would be awesome. And so what we did was we created an embassy. So it's like a private club that if you're an ambassador, you get to be part of that club and that we put in all of these big hitters. So, you know, Cameron Harold is in there, Ari Meisel's in there, Peter Shankman's in there. Uh, we got, uh, Jeff Woods is in that. We got all these big, um, Jay Bear. We got all these big players now. And when you mention those names, people go, "Oh, I want to be involved in that." Then we went one level further. You're gonna love this. This is incredible. There's a guy called Steve Sims, who is, uh, Steve. you know, Steve. He's known as the the wizard, the Wizard he's of Oz. A, he's been to my house for dinner. I love See, him. He's, he's a, a great guy. guy. Now, looks, get, have you ever met him? I haven't. I haven't met him in person, but I saw pictures oh, he of him. Like, he, he looks like. Uh, Hell's Angel. He's a very yeah. interesting guy, but he's wonderfully, uh, he's a very gentle person and his ability to orchestrate uh, the kind of the kind of outrageous experiences for people is unimaginable. That's exactly what he does. So outrageous experiences. So when I met him, well, well Cameron introduced me to him. So again, there's another introduction. And uh, I'm going to have Steve on my show uh, next week. But suddenly I had a brainwave. I, I thought to myself, hold on a second. This guy... What does he do for a living? He works with millionaires and billionaires who basically they're bored. They, 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 they need excitement, right? And, and, and they've done it. They've been there, done it, right? So what can you do for me? And he gets people like crazy stuff like you can go dive down to see the Titanic. I could send you to space. He even has a story where there was this like very, very, very wealthy guy. and He was getting married and he's like, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, I, I can pretty much do anything, but... You know, give me something that's interesting. And he said, well, how about I get you married in the Vatican by the Pope? <laughs> and he said, are you no, serious? No, you but he could do that. No, he could but do that. But that's the thing. So yeah, what did we do? Yeah, uh, we, I mean, I know what he does. I, I, I'm very impressed. And he's a very quality man, very quality man. So we got on the phone with Steve. And I said, Steve, let's do a deal. Let's do something together here. I'd love to get you in as an ambassador. You've got a great network of people. We want to get you in as an ambassador. And in return, we want to offer the incentives, the bonuses that we're going to give when our ambassadors hit certain milestones. We want to, we want to offer your services. So tell us what do you think would be a good, would be a good uh, bonus for our ambassadors? And he said, well, events, because you know, he said, I can get you, for example, I can get you an invitation to Sir Elton John's star-studded private party at the Oscars. Yeah, I've and gone. I, you know, I've gone. It's really cool. Right? Now, how cool is that? Now, when you say, 
we'll give you $500 per referral or hey, if you get us X amount of referrals, we'll get you invited, a personal invitation to Sir Elton John's private party where you can mingle with the celebrities and mingle with all the big... Like, that's what they want, right? No, and it's, really, it's, a, it's a really cool event and there are a stellar group of people that are there. But he, he can also get you the Oscars. He's a remarkable. Well, we've got the Oscars. Guy. We've got the Oscars. We've got the Emmys. We've got the Music Awards. So those are all things that we've put in our, in our ambassador program. So that's just like another example... Of, of understanding really, I guess, pe what people really want and giving them what they want. It's amazing how little people actually ask people, what do you actually want? And I think I would agree. I have to ponder a little bit that I don't think, I'll tell you, I have a little, a little uh, different take, but it's probably coming to the same, the same destiny or the same destination, excuse me. I don't think many people really are clear on what they want and why they want it. And I believe very sincerely, Daniel, that if you're able to put in words for them what they want and what they don't want, and they've never crystallized that, you have an incredible connection with them. And uh, that's been my experience is to study and think through very carefully and try to understand what they really want and uh, mm -hmm. give you a a simple example, and it was in a book you didn't read, but we, we used to laughingly say, if somebody goes to Home Depot to buy a drill, do they really want a drill? Not really. They want, <laughs> they a, want hole, a hole. Or they yeah. want to attach something. And <laughs> people don't realize what they really want. And the people that are able, and not manipulative, but deeply uh, uh, reflective in behalf of the other side on what they really want and why, hmm. and, and can express that to them in a way that there's never been uh, verbalized or crystallized have incredible power and connectivity. So just a throwaway idea. Okay, cool. Now, Jay, if, if I said that you had a, a 20 seconds now um, to speak to the world, literally the whole world. So if the whole world was listening to this and whatever you said, it would be translated to all, all the languages and everybody would understand what you're saying. And you had 20 seconds, what would your message be to everyone? Uh, I think that's, you know, if I say I think I probably burned already half the 20 seconds, but <laughs> it's, it's take the time to understand, appreciate, and respect everyone else. Beautifully said. Jay, what's the best way for my listeners to get in touch with you? Uh, if they want to, they can go to abraham.com. And uh, the best thing I would say, it's not going to get in touch with me, but it'll, it can go to abraham.com slash 50 shades and they can get an education of a lifetime without even having to give an opt in. If they want to keep getting more cool things, they can opt in. But we're more contributing. I mean, we, 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 we like making money, but we like adding value and, and uh, helping entrepreneurs of all sizes, shapes and kinds and places not just grow and prosper, but grow and prosper by by creating more value for the other side. So, yeah, sure, that's great, but that's, uh, that's thank a you really, for that. Is there anything a, else? Because I've got a, a client outside, and I don't want to yeah, be yeah. rude, but is there anything nope. else that I can do for you? 
No, that's perfect. No, that's uh, you've been absolutely incredible. This has been really, really inspiring. Uh, Jay, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. Thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.